the Simply Classical curriculum for special needs moves at my child's pace and gives her exactly what she needs. So writes Amber, a homeschooling mother who has joined thousands in homes and schools, teaching from this uniquely Christian classical approach to special education. Teach students with autism, learning disabilities, or Down syndrome based on ability level rather than chronological age. Use promo code LPR20 today at classicalspecialneeds.com. classicalspecialneeds.com. David Daleiden was thrust into the national spotlight several years ago as kind of the public face of the Center for Medical Progress, a group that did some undercover investigation and journalism. They went to Planned Parenthood conventions. They went to other pro-choice venues. They talked to the people themselves, to the abortionists, to the people who ran abortion facilities. They interviewed them without their knowledge that they were being recorded And they discovered and uncovered massive evidence of Planned Parenthood's partnership with firms that were trafficking in the body parts of the aborted babies from Planned Parenthood. They were profiting from these things. Well, it's pretty much been hell for David Daleiden ever since that. Planned Parenthood has a long memory, and legally, they are very vindictive. He's already been through a civil trial, and now he's facing criminal charges. There may be application even beyond the life issue to the First Amendment and the freedom of the press. Joining us to talk about David Daleiden's upcoming jury trial, Tom Brecka. He's founder, president, and chief counsel of the Thomas More Society, a national public interest law firm that represents David Daleiden. He's author of a recent column for The Federalist titled, California Throws the Books at Undercover Reporter Who Exposed Baby Body Trafficking. Tom, welcome to Issues Etc. Yes, thank you very much. Glad to be with you. Why is the David Leiden case important beyond the life issue? Well, what the subject of my op-ed was that it puts uh, the whole notion of undercover reporting at risk. And, of course, uh, undercover reporting encompasses uh, the whole universe of, of issues. Uh, you know, we pointed out in California that on... Los Angeles Television, for example, there's a, a CBS uh, affiliate there where almost weekly one of their reporters goes undercover and has uh, uncovered uh, wrongdoing in so many ways. You know, a chiropractor who, for a fee, would uh, prepare certifications for uh, handicap parking for people that wanted to get a step ahead of the game and car repairs when there was nothing wrong with the car, this kind of thing. So those may be comparatively trivial examples, but uh, we have a whole tradition of undercover reporting in American journalism. All of that is, frankly, at risk because of this precedent set in California against David. What happened at David Leiden's civil trial? Well, the final result was a real shocker. We had uh, done as well as we could to try and uh, ferret out the pro-abortion extremists from the jury, but apparently we didn't do a job that was adequate, and of course the judge was very, very hostile to us in his rulings and in his jury instructions, and the upshot was uh, a ridiculously excessive verdict uh, 2.3 million dollars uh, not only against david but against anybody and everybody 
who was sued along with him, including uh, folks who played a very peripheral role in his undercover campaign. Such a big verdict, frankly, we think took the judge uh, aback. One of his instructions, for example, was that the First Amendment is not a defense to the charges, and the charges were essentially summarized in one word, fraud, uh, that he, uh, you know, made misrepresentations using false IDs, kind of high school level IDs. I mean, they were ridiculously transparently phony, but... uh, you know, it was just a very bad uh, result, and we think the judge really contradicted himself because he made pretrial rulings under the First Amendment that apparently were going to limit the damages to just a fraction of the boxcar figures uh, that were originally asked for, and yet boxcar figures were returned as a verdict. So we certainly have some strong arguments to make, uh, not only in the trial court and post-trial motions, but uh, if the judge won't back off, and we don't think he will back off completely, but, you know, David really ought to be held innocent and of these charges, so eventually we'll have an appeal. I think the worst result in the trial court translates into our better prospects on appeal. What were the particular problems with the judge in that civil case? Well, uh, way back when, you know, we moved to disqualify the judge. That's a very risky and unusual step for lawyers to take. Uh, I've never taken it before in my career, and I've been doing this for, well, well, 45 years. But uh, it was really blatant. Uh, He had worked prior to the lawsuit being filed, prior to his becoming a federal judge, which was not that many years ago, was appointed by uh, President Obama. It turned out that he had uh, represented a Good Samaritan, that was the name of it, uh, charity in San Francisco. And what did the Good Samaritan charity do? It negotiated a rent-free lease for one of the Planned Parenthood affiliates that's now suing David in his own courtroom. One of the issues involved in the case, of course, is what security precautions were taken by uh, the Planned Parenthood facilities where David went undercover. And, of course, so the judge had personal experience not only in working with one of the plaintiffs, but in dealing with the very issues that were contested in part during the trial. We thought this was outrageous, that he would not uh, inform us of this when he took the case, and that uh, when we found it out on our own investigating, that he didn't uh, back off. On top of that, his wife had a a Facebook page with uh, a photo of her together with the smiling judge in which uh, she wrote, that our clients uh, were guilty and should be held criminally responsible for what they did. And this, frankly, with the judge's image uh, smiling next to this accusatory text, why there, too, we thought that alone was cause for the judge uh, having to step aside. But our efforts to prevail on that ground were rejected. We intend to raise them on appeal. What are the charges against Leiden now? Well, in a civil case, of course, the charges that went to trial were fraud, 
And of course, fraud uh, usually is a a law that should be limited to attempts to get money at the expense of somebody else whom you deceive uh, in the process of trying to get money from them. There was obviously no effort to get money here, but the judge said there was an advantage. Well, frankly, we think that uh, it was an effort to affect public policy on a a matter of uh, national significance, and that uh, should not be upheld or penalized as fraud. And in comparable cases involving animal rights protesters, the Court of Appeals out on the West Coast uh, upheld uh, a defense based on this very issue. Uh, Why that didn't apply to our case uh, is one of the issues we're addressing, and the judge has not uh, agreed with us on that, so we'll be pressing that on a, a very likely appeal. And the criminal charges against Leiden now, what are they? Well, they're also criminal charges. Uh, and we're in criminal court uh, with our co-counsel, the former DA of uh, L.A. County, the largest prosecutor office in the country, uh, Steve Cooley, and one of his first assistants. Uh, we're in front of, of course, a different judge in the uh, Superior Felony Court. David and his uh, main helper, Sandra Merritt, were charged with 15 felonies, and we went through a preliminary hearing right before the civil trial, the issue being whether there was probable cause to bring these uh, charges, and uh, the judge uh, threw out six of them, leaving nine felonies, and now the prosecutor, the attorney general of California, is trying to add another one. We think it's barred by the statute of limitations. That issue is going to come before the judge as soon as we get back uh, in court uh, when they open up the courthouses out there in California. That may take a few months. But in any event, the main charge is eavesdropping. California is what we call a two-party consent state. That is, nobody can record a conversation unless all parties to the conversation agree. And, of course, uh, David was undercover, so there was no two-party consent. But there are exemptions and uh, we think both apply. One is where you reasonably believe that somebody who is not a party to the conversation can overhear it. We thought that was the case here. David only did his undercover recording uh, in semi-public places like a hotel ballroom where they had conventions in the years 2014-2015. Another exemption, one that touches very fundamental issues here, is if he could reasonably believe that he would find evidence through his undercover recording of uh, crime of violence against human persons. And he had indeed consulted with experts before he went undercover and had every expectation that he would find evidence of infanticide. And frankly, he did find such evidence Uh, which was uh, contained in the recordings. We brought both of those issues up before the judge. The judge, as I said, dismissed uh, six of the felony charges on the basis of overhearing. He did not even address the issues as to which we presented evidence that David expected to find evidence of infanticide, a crime of violence, 
against babies who were born alive before their organs were harvested. We think that, frankly, uh, was proven that he had every reason to believe he would find such evidence, and indeed he did. We're talking about David Leiden's upcoming jury trial with Tom Brecka, founder, president, and chief counsel of the Thomas More Society. When we come back, is Delighton being singled out because he's pro-life and because his investigation was of Planned Parenthood? Listen to the best of the church's music for the season of Lent at LutheranPublicRadio.org. Sacred music for the season of Lent, LutheranPublicRadio.org. The Simply Classical curriculum for special needs moves at my child's pace and gives her exactly what she needs. So writes Amber, a homeschooling mother who has joined thousands in homes and schools, teaching from this uniquely Christian classical approach to special education. Teach students with autism, learning disabilities, or Down syndrome based on ability level rather than chronological age. Use promo code LPR20 today at classicalspecialneeds.com. classicalspecialneeds.com. Defending life from beginning to end. You're listening to Issues Etc. Hey, Todd, what have our listeners noticed first when visiting the LPR studios? Definitely the small size and the dirt. Well, not anymore. Thanks to our friends at the Cleaning Authority. They've turned this man cave into a space that meets even our wives' approval. Whether it's our office or your home, the Cleaning Authority is your cleaning service provider in the St. Louis area. To schedule a free estimate or to find out more, Visit thecleaningauthority.com, thecleaningauthority.com. Did you know that many LCMS military personnel and their families are unable to receive word and sacrament ministry due to the lack of LCMS chaplains? Ministry to the Armed Forces is looking for pastors who will answer the call to serve as a chaplain to provide word and sacrament ministry to the men and women who selflessly serve our nation. Find out more about this exciting ministry by contacting me, Chaplain Craig Mueller, at lcmschaps at lcms.org. That is lcmschaps at lcms.org. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're talking about David Delighton's upcoming jury trial with Tom Brecka, founder, president, and chief counsel of the Thomas More Society, a national public interest law firm that represents David Delighton. Tom, do you think that Delighton's being singled out because he's pro-life and because the subject of his undercover reporting was, in fact, Planned Parenthood? Well, we believe so, and we've made that contention. Uh, that this was a politicized persecution of David and Sandra in the criminal court by the Attorney General of California. Uh, Indeed, uh, the charges were initiated by Kamala Harris, who went on to become the junior senator from California, as well as a presidential candidate for the Democratic nomination before she pulled out. And I should say her successor then actually proceeded and filed these felony charges. His name is Xavier Becerra. But, you know, the uh, fact is that uh, 
Kamala Harris uh, actually praised animal rights protesters, applauded them for what they did in one of the cases that actually uh, was made public in California. This is the first time that any uh, civilian journalist, and of course David, we think, counts as a journalist, even though he is uh, not working for any of the great media corporations, CBS, NBC, but he is indeed a publisher. He has a website, Center for Medical Progress, on the Internet. He's certainly a public figure uh, through his disclosures, which triggered congressional investigations, uh, referrals for criminal charges to the FBI and Department of Justice, which are still pending. And he is the first journalist that we're aware of that we could find any evidence who had been prosecuted under the eavesdropping laws in California. And as I say, undercover journalism is a commonplace in California as elsewhere. None of these other journalists have been prosecuted. So has he been singled out? Well, absolutely. Uh, Literally the case. How has undercover reporting more generally, identical in some cases to Daleiden's, been used for the public good in the past? Well, we have a whole history, uh, a heritage in the journalistic field in the United States, and we go back to the, my goodness, uh, Upton Sinclair, who wrote The Jungle, the famous novel that revealed the abuses in the stockyards here in Chicago, where we're headquartered, and you just uh, can go all down the litany of, of famed undercover reporters who are celebrated uh, as a very important part of our of our history. If you banned undercover reporting or penalized it to the extent that the California prosecutors are doing so uh, against David and Sandra Merritt, imagine uh, that illegal uh, groups uh, operating secretly behind a curtain of uh, the anti-eavesdropping laws could uh, flourish. I mean, uh, that's the whole basis for undercover reporting is that crime is often conducted in the shadows, behind closed doors, and and that's not just criminal activity, but, uh, you know, activities that are unhealthy, that are obnoxious, uh, that uh, uh, people need to know about before any corrective action can be taken by society. This is a paradigm example where The abortion industry operates behind this curtain of invisibility where unless you get inside the clinic, uh, some of what causes the abortionists themselves to call stigma, uh, uh, some of these things that, uh, for example, the evidence of infanticide occurring on a regular basis that David's videos uncovered, that will go uh, undiscovered, ignored hidden, uncorrected, and and that's wrong. So we need this heritage, and that's a good reason why we celebrate it. How then does Daleiden's case threaten a free press? Well, California eavesdropping laws can be enforced according to the prosecutor's discretion. A reporter may be charged under that law uh, with either a misdemeanor or a felony. We had a prior case in Texas where the uh, Harris County, which encompasses the city of Houston, 
that prosecutor uh, brought one felony charge and one misdemeanor charge against David and Sandra. That was back in, I think, uh, January 2016. Well, it took us uh, a year and a half, but we finally got both the misdemeanor and the felony thrown out. But it was after that that California threw the book at David and Sandra with these 15 felony charges. And, you know, each of these charges is punishable by several years in the penitentiary. So you can imagine the huge disincentive for anybody wanting to go undercover in California that they may face. Well, uh, David and Sandra, given the 15 felony charges, could have been put away for over a decade in San Quentin or another one of California's notorious penitentiaries, then of course they're still at risk because we only we, we've knocked out some of the charges, but they're still facing a nine and with this new charge, perhaps 10 felony charges. So what a disincentive to anybody uh, wanting to go undercover to discover the hidden truth about uh, criminal or other deleterious conduct on the part of those who hide behind the curtains of invisibility. Do you think that Delayden's cases may go as far as the Supreme Court? Well, I hope it won't be necessary, but, you know, in my experience, I think very much it's a possibility. I got into this back in 1986, uh, defending a fellow, an activist in Chicago, based in Chicago, but he operated nationwide, named Joseph Scheidler, with uh, lawyers from St. Louis defending John Ryan and the Pro-Life Direct Action League based in St. Louis. We were faced with antitrust charges, which we thought were a real stretch. It took us five years to get rid of the antitrust charges, and they added racketeering charges. That case went up to the Supreme Court not once, not twice, but three times. With the grace of God, we were blessed to have prevailed on the second and third by eight to one and then eight to zero margins. Those were final judgments, which were a basis for each of those successive appeals. Now, David has yet to have a final judgment entered in his case, which has been going on for well, five years since 2015. So when we get a final judgment, of course, we'll have a good appeal up to the Ninth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals, where we've got a good chance of getting a fair shake, given the fact that uh, President Trump has added many conservative jurists to that court, which is previously very populated and by extremely left-wing type judges. So we've got a good chance of prevailing there. And we're going to make it, give it uh, our best shot. But if we fail there and David and Sandra and their co-defendants are not exonerated, yes, I think we've got a pretty good shot at getting into the U.S. Supreme Court. There are conflicts uh, between the decisions uh, already rendered by our trial court and decisions in other cases, including the case of the animal rights activists up in Idaho, I think it was. That was within the Ninth Circuit, so the conflict is within the circuit, but we think there are other decisions elsewhere uh, uh, by other circuits which would create uh, a non-uniform 
body of law, and we think the Supreme Court may well want to step in and straighten that out. And the First Amendment, of course, is the lifeblood of our democracy, and that's what's at stake here. And it is troubling to many people that misrepresentation is a necessary part of undercover reporting. There is a real divergence of opinion uh, as to is that a proper tactic? Uh, is it a Christian tactic? Well, there are two views on that, and I think the Supreme Court may well want to address that in the context of this important part of our journalistic heritage here. And we will see. In fact, a few years ago, there was a case that upset me where someone falsely uh, claiming to be a Medal of Honor winner was indicted for the falsehood. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the defendant, uh, saying that indeed sometimes even false speech or misrepresentation is intended uh, for purposes that are protected by the First Amendment. Uh, that's more so the case with David and Sandra than it was with the Medal of Honor false claimant. So, you know, these these issues are, are tough ones, and I think the Supreme Court may well want to address them. Tom Brecka is founder, president, and chief counsel of the Thomas More Society, a national public interest law firm that represents David Delayden. He's author of a recent column for The Federalist titled, California Throws the Books, an undercover reporter who exposed baby body trafficking. You can read it and find out more about the Thomas More Society at our website, issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Tom, thank you very much. Well, thank you, sir. In Hour 2 of Issues Etc., we'll be going through listener email. But first, Dr. Alvin Schmidt is going to join us. We'll talk about Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, and his short-lived political career. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Collinsville, Illinois, is happy to support the Christ-centered, cross-focused ministry of Issues Etc. Join us for worship, Bible classes, youth ministry, and other opportunities to grow in Christ. We have a Christian day school for children in preschool to eighth grade. We are located at 1300 Beltline Road. Call us at 618-344-3151 or visit www.goodshepherdcollinsville.org.